and welcome to the Her Voice podcast. I'm Kamel Caruso, Chief Revenue Officer of HerMD and your host for today. We're a female forward wellness center committed to empowering women through comprehensive health, beauty, and wellness services. Today, we're joined by Dr. Jessica Gaida, an OBGYN and the physician behind Smiles and Scrubs. Her mission is to provide proof that it is possible to choose you while choosing to live and love medicine. She loves motivating and empowering women everywhere to choose a life they're proud to live. Welcome, Dr. Gaida. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate the chance to get to join everyone. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. We've been, I think we connected back in June, at the very end of June. And so it's been a couple months, but, and we were able to get this on the book. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, me too. It was, uh, it's actually funny. I was listening and it was the Sexual Health Summit, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was fun employed between residency and starting my first attending job. So I was at the shore and I was listening to the lectures and my mom was there listening too. <laughs> and she, she so enjoyed it, but she was like, man, you guys really talk about everything. And I was like, uh-huh, we sure do. <laughs> yeah, definitely within sexual health, I've learned you talk about everything and it's funny when you start to just do it all the time or talk about it all the time. Right. It just takes away a lot of the stigma, which is why we want to talk to women about it. So right. when people ask what I do, they get an earful. And I find that like probably when I first started, I would be a lot more shy about it. And now it's like not like, the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this is what I do. It's awesome to talk about. And then people really open up. They do. Yeah. Which is really cool. They get, they get definitely get an earful now for sure. And I'm glad your mom got to listen too. That's fun. Yeah, I feel like she learned some stuff. <laughs> we had so much fun doing that summit. It was a blast. And we're planning another one in February, but... Um, oh, cool. Yeah, no, we're very excited. I think it'll be fun. Are, did you say you were down the shore, like the Jersey Shore? Uh-huh. I live in Jersey. Jersey Shore, yep, all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's va- vastly underrated, I will say that. It is. Um, it has its, it's everything you need. Yeah. I go to the panhandle of Florida all the time and people make fun. And I was like, you don't know my secret little spot. Like I love that 30A and all those little beach towns. And I'm like, you can make fun of it. I don't care. Like uh, that's my little area. It's got every, it's got bikes. It's got a white sand beach. It's got everything I need. And I love it down there. So. Yeah. Well, share with us your story of becoming an OBGYN and how you decided that that would be your career path? For as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to help people and have always just thought I was going to be a doctor. I explored all the other paths in college and tried to talk myself out of it and still ended up here, (laughs) which was good because I I do enjoy it and love it. I went to Penn State for undergrad and our campus had uh, 40,000 people and I was in a sorority and I joined this health education group and um, we would go around to the sororities and fraternities and give like safe sex talks to talk about birth control and condoms and just kind of breaking down the stigma surrounding sex like we were saying before. Um, And I kind of carried that passion for education specifically to like sexual wellness and women's health with me to medical school where I joined the OBGYN club intermixed in there. I also got to go to Ecuador for a month and uh, volunteer. And it just so happened my host mom was an OBGYN, uh, still is. So I actually saw my first live birth there and really got to see like the difference in healthcare in um, Ecuador versus the United States. And 
all of that wrapped into one. And when I started doing rotations for third and fourth year of med school, I just fell in love with OBGYN. So you were talking about sex ed in college and educating your peers. Yeah, it was so funny. It was so intimidating at the time. And I guess I just, we just powered through it. (laughs) So what was that experience like though? I find it interesting because you're, you were probably what, like 19, 20, 20, talking about sexual health, et cetera, with peers. Right. And people find that so kind of difficult to talk about now. So I wonder what it was like talking to your peers about that then. And like, you obviously had a passion for it early on. It was very eye-opening. I would say it definitely, you could see like where certain people were very comfortable talking about um, it. I mean, one of the exercises was um, all the different words that we use for anatomical parts. And so we would go through that and that was kind of the icebreaker. And so that would, that would really take a lot of like the tension and anxiety out of the room. (laughs) And then we could get to, you know, the safe sexual practices part. We were talking about that. I mean, when you see patients, they don't say vagina. They say like down there. Right. They'll use every other word, but, and I think it's also cultural, what people call their genitalia, their vulva, or their vagina and their body parts. It depends. Definitely. I got an education through the years of residency and, you know, they'd say something. I was like, you're what? Right. (laughs) What? And you're almost like, do I not know that body part? Like, what? what does that mean? And you're like afraid to ask. And you're, and then people will laugh and be like, oh, your auntie never taught you that? I'm like, nope. Yeah, no. <laughs> I vaginas in my house. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kamal is cracking up because when she first joined, her, her one of her funniest lines is she's talking about comfort. And, you know, I can only imagine you as a teenager uh, talking to your peers, but she was like, I didn't even know what a vulva was before I started with her MD. It's funny, you know, like you said, education, women don't really get a safe place to talk about sexuality, sexual health and their anatomy, right? We don't. And it's just like not encouraged, I feel like either. It's just kind of a lot of hush hush and use a condom. (laughs) Exactly. I was a health aide um, in college at Northwestern. And so it was a little bit different. I wasn't teaching necessarily about sexual health practices, but definitely had the condoms and everyone knew my room. Oh my God. So that's all it was. Like I wasn't making a difference. It was like just knocking on the door sometimes at 2 a.m. I'm like, next time, can you plan that? Like, you know, you're going on a date or it's Friday or Saturday. Like, come bug me like then. I'm like, fine, here you go. Anytime, (laughs) yes. Take as many as you need. Take as many as you need. Yes. So that is awesome. And then you um, went on, obviously, to medical school. And did you say you just finished residency? I just finished in June. Yeah. So I had like a six-week kind of break. And then I just started my first attending job. So it's been a whirlwind. Wow. (laughs) And so are you delivering? Are you doing both, right? Are you doing obstetrics and gynecology? I am. Yeah. About 50-50 mix of them. So it's been nice. It's, I mean, it's pretty busy. I feel like it, the, in residency, it could be so busy, but then you have a team and the big difference now being in the attending, it's like, I am that team of uh, physicians. I mean, the nurses are wonderful. They're so helpful and hands-on, but it's just so different than residency. Yeah. Are you seeing more pregnancies because of COVID? I have to ask. I feel like we're, our practice isn't, but I don't, I can't speak like nationally. 
I definitely think we're going to see an increased trend because I'm definitely prescribing more Addy now that people are, they're describing stuck at home with their partners and they need a little something, something. Obviously we have to make sure they have HSDD before we just go prescribing Addy. I have to make that clear. Yeah. So I definitely have seen more prescriptions and definitely more women coming in and maybe now they have time. Um, And then I think they're seeing, like I had a patient come in saying she was seeing some ads, you know, for uh, female sexual dysfunction, low libido, definitely on social media. And so I've had a lot more patients coming in for sure, complaining about um, sexual problems. Yeah. Which is great that they feel comfortable to come in and um, talk about it. I mean, that's, if you can't talk to your gynecologist about it, who, who else is there? It's funny, but prior to that, right, it was your hairdresser, which is great, fine, right? Everyone likes to talk, or your girlfriend. So that's who everyone was talking to, or looking up stuff on the internet, right? And just trying right. to figure out what was happening. So you're so right. My hairdresser knows intimate details of my life. <laughs> so you live by the mantra, choose you. Um, I see that kind of all over your social media. So tell us more about that. It's funny now that we, you know, we just ended on self-care there with the mm-hmm. getting your hair done and things, you know, being a healthcare provider anywhere in the field, it's a huge honor, but it's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. I feel like every day I go into the office, you know, you leave whatever personal things you have at home and you give a hundred percent to your patients and that's what they deserve a hundred percent of you. And then you come home and you give whatever's left over to your loved ones. And then really rarely do we save time for ourselves. And when we do save time for ourselves, we feel bad about it. We feel guilty or selfish or like we should be studying, especially in medicine. That's, I feel that all the time. (laughs) And so I kind of, I got to my fourth year of medical school and was doing all of these OBGYN auditions and giving everything I had and Mm -hmm. just found myself in this really unhappy place where I was almost resenting choosing medicine and that's, that's not who I am. I love what I do. I love everything about this. Um, even the 2am crazy calls. Right. Um, and so at, at that time I decided something had to change. And so I really worked on changing my mindset, getting a lot more positive, um, working on myself and realizing, you know, you, you can't change the hard work. You can't change, um, the hours or the time away from your loved ones, but you can change your um, attitude towards it. And that's kind of where the whole choose you developed and has really stuck with me. That's pretty incredible. And you're right, because I mean, I'm not a physician, but I see physicians work and I talk to my sister a lot and, and you feel like out of gas at the end of the day, like emotionally and physically. I read a really good, I can't remember which article it was, but something during COVID and it was talking about how female physicians in general, I mean, you get just constant questions and things that you have to do throughout the day. And then you get home and it's always the age old argument. What do you want for dinner? And you're like, I can't make one more decision. I can't just pick something. And then it just goes from there. Decision fatigue. Like people think that you want to be in charge and especially people who know me, they're like, Oh, you're, you own your own business. You have your kids. Like you're just used to making decisions all day long. And so Kamal will tell you, I'm the first one to be like, you know, she's like, what do you, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I'm like, you decide it's fine. Like, you know, give me input or my husband will be like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, you decide. I don't want to make any more decisions. <laughs> I'm exhausted. But there's also that caregiver fatigue, right? Because I feel like female physicians in general, we wear our hearts on our sleeves and we really, really give everything. Like you said, give a hundred percent to our patients. 
And so sometimes all day long, like, right, you're, you're giving to other people and you're receiving all of, you know, everything that they're telling you and complaining to you about, and you're wanting to be, you're so on all day long that you go home and you're just like, you're finished, you're demolished. And so what I am so happy for you is that you're figuring this out so much earlier in your career than I did, because I feel like I ran myself in circles, trying to please everybody, trying to be the best mom and the best human being and the best wife and the best doctor and the best surgeon. And it was like trying to be the best at everything was leaving the worst for myself. And now I tell patients all the time as women, especially that if we don't take care of ourselves, then we can't mother or be a sister or be a friend or help each other out if we're not healthy ourselves. And so I have to remind myself. And I think for women, having a big group of women around you, your girlfriends, sisters, family, and just lifting each other up. I think that's huge. Having a tribe of women reminding yourself to put yourself first. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, whether even whether that tribe is in person close by or social media, what that's turned into now just having that network or you know what you've created as well. It's just so important. It is. So what are some of the things you like to do when you're choosing you when you're choosing yourself and indulging in that self care? What are some of the things you love to do? I know we touched on the beach. I love going to the beach. I can lay on the beach all day, read a book, nap, take a walk. <laughs> um, I thoroughly enjoy that. But in like everyday, day-to-day life, I always prioritize exercise and 100% for stress relief and just staying mentally strong as well as physically strong. I enjoy cooking and grocery shopping. I hate cleaning, <laughs> so I just I don't do it. My husband's the cleaner, thank goodness. And then I am obsessed with pretty much everything on Netflix that's ever trendy. (laughs) So I'm a fellow beach lover as well. I love to put on my hiking boots. I love to travel. I also love to cook. I am the worst cleaner ever. This has got to be an OBGYN. You're not a cleaner. You're just like, I wouldn't even say you're the worst cleaner because you don't, I'm going to, she's my sister's life. She doesn't even attempt to clean. which is That's what happens to me. Yeah. I think it's gaps and gifts. Like I tell my sister now, I have no shame in saying the things that I'm really, really bad at and where I need help. Like when she's doing the marketing or IT, I'm like, talk to me like I'm two, maybe one. Then the stuff I'm good at, like, yeah, I'm great in the OR. I'm great with patients. You know, I can figure this out. And so my husband knows, he's like, fine, I'll get the kitchen. Like you're an incredible cook. You know, I'll clean up. And I've also let go of the guilt. I have no problem now, you know, having more help. And even with grown children, I was like, I don't need a sitter. I don't, yeah, nope. mm -mm. Because I want my spare time to be spending time with them or taking the dogs for a walk or, you know, quality, not running around trying to do laundry. So she's right. I don't attempt, I'm not even going to try to pretend. (laughs) No, nope. I don't either. That that was the deal with residency too. I, yeah. I commuted 40 minutes both ways. So my husband and I, when we got married, could live together. And that was the trade-off. I was like, I will be a doctor and I will be president in our lives, but I will do nothing else. <laughs> and he <laughs> held up his end of the bargain. He has done literally everything else. Good. That's a good partnership though. Like It is. Yeah. Going off of that and choosing you, your website and social media smiles and scrubs. So you are the woman and the physician behind that. What is like, what inspired you to start Smiles and Scrubs and what inspired you with that name? Kind of back to that, that time I was talking about my fourth year of 
med right. school, just kind of feeling super lost. I ended up joining, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Beachbody, not, not a plug or anything. I just really like it. And it's a community. Um, one of my friends from college, she's also an OBGYN. She's about two years ahead of me. And so she reached out to me and she was like, I'm doing this really cool workout and like exercise thing or exercise and nutrition thing. And it also comes with like a social media presence. And that's what originally started me to get kind of into Instagram in general. And it kind of morphed over my time in residency. And then now somewhat of a personal blog, just documenting my experiences and um, kind of morphing again to uh, a lot more education kind of based as well. The Smiles and Scrubs was exactly that. I mean, I walk around with a smile on my face. No one can see it now with our masks. <laughs> and then you're always in Scrubs, right? As a resident. I love dressing up now. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, because now you can, as an attending, you can wear not Scrubs. Right. Real right. close. Like a grown-up wardrobe. It's great. Yeah. You know, I will tell you, I hated scrubs as well when I got done with residency. I was like, I'm so tired of running around in my pajamas. But something has happened during COVID where I now am exhausted. As I'm sitting here in my scrubs, but I operated today. I'm like, I don't mind scrubs again. It's taken a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like it's 100% going to swing back the other way where I'm going to go to scrubs for sure again. Today, I literally did a happy dance because Kathy brought me a new pair of scrubs and I was so excited. I was like, I love these and they're comfortable. So, yes. That's awesome. We probably touched on this a little bit, but you talk like I, I follow you on social media and on your website about the chaos and stress of medicine and balancing that with living a life of fulfillment and purpose, which I think is really inspiring. So what words of advice would you give medical students or your colleagues who are like feeling overwhelmed because you've done a good job of like putting yourself first and finding fulfillment and purpose. So what words of advice would you give? I think first and foremost, you have to know who you are and what makes you, you. Um, what are like the three things that if you didn't do every day, you would no longer be you and then prioritize doing those things. So for me, I love to exercise in residency. I was a crazy person and got up at 4.30 in the morning and would do a half an hour workout before a 24 hour call or whatever. But if I don't do it, I'm more stressed. I'd prioritize cooking and grocery shopping yeah. and then just always having at least a half an hour a day where I could just binge whatever on Netflix and kind of relax. So if I don't do those things, I'm not going to be my best self. So I kind of let go of the guilt of prioritizing those things and compromising other things um, so that I could hold on to who I am. Additionally, I just always try and remember that, you know, life isn't really made in those big moments. I mean, graduation's amazing. Starting my first job has been amazing. But the, the true kind of moments of life are those small ones uh, that make it worth living. So even if it's waiting in line at 9pm at the grocery store, <laughs> finding some way to just steal a little bit of joy from that situation when, you know, you, you could so easily default to stress and annoyance and so many other <laughs> negative emotions has been very, very helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's really good advice. I like the three, choosing the three things um, that make you, you, but then I guess <laughs> rang true to me. I would be, I would be the person annoyed in the grocery store line. So I'm going to like try and be more cognizant of that, I think. Yeah. And I mean, even if it's like something silly, it's like, oh, well now I have a chance to check my email. 
because it's very easy to lose yourself in medicine. And especially when you're in a subsurgical specialty, when, you know, you're doing emergency deliveries or you're doing emergency C-sections. And, you know, like you said, I definitely had those moments too of despair, especially in residency, because I had a baby at home that I never saw. I had a husband at home that I never saw. And you're working, these are before residency restrictions, you know, you're working over a hundred hours a week. And, um, you don't, you don't get to do, you don't get to sleep. You don't eat when you want to. You frankly don't go to the bathroom when you want to. Yeah. And it's like, I want to help people, but I can't even pay attention to my own basic bodily functions. Like this is crazy, <laughs> you know? I'm like, there, and our friend would be like, what do you want? I'm like, I just want to take a bath. Like, that's all I want, just a bath. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's such a basic and now I'm so far removed from those days. I'm like, oh, but we do have to help residents. And I think the other reminder is it's not forever. Like whatever you're going through, whether it's that call or, you know, that really crazy delivery or that crazy surgery, it's not going to last forever. Like it will get better. You will get through it. Um, and then you'll figure out the next time a better way to deal with it when you find yourself overwhelmed. And for me, like definitely learning to prioritize learning how to say no. Right. And for me, that was the decision was when I walked away from obstetrics, it's part of the reason I went into the field is that I love delivering babies. But when the time came that it no longer fit in my life, I cried and cried and cried and then got over it and, and adjusted to my new norm. Right. And it was like, I'm still going to help people. It's just going to look a little bit different than I had envisioned. Um, but it was so much better for me as a human being. And then obviously then for my family. Yeah. And my husband was like, literally like, I have my wife back because when you're not gone, like, you know, every three days, it's amazing how much better you feel when you sleep and you eat. And yeah. Isn't that crazy? Regular sleep and food, water just really improves your overall lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's exactly what my husband and I are going through now because I mean, attending hours are so much better than residency. I I don't go in until eight o'clock in the morning, which is still early for some people, but you know, prior residency at 6.30 was the latest ever we got to go in. So it's been lovely to be home more in the morning and just have coffee at home. Like what a luxury. (laughs) Right. Simple, like simple things make such a big difference. You know, that's the whole, just focus on those small things that, and especially the ones that you can control. So my always mindset was like, once I, my feet walk through the hospital door, everything that happens until I leave again is out of my control. So I'm going to control the things I can prior to work and after work and kind of learn to roll with the punches. Yeah. I think that's a really good attitude to have. I think a lot of people can benefit from, from thinking like that. Another thing that you talk about, which really jives and is part of the HerMD mission also is to motivate and to empower women. I'm assuming that's a big reason why you went into OBGYN. Can you share with us a patient story of like someone who inspired you with her story? There's so many and there's one that's sticking out and maybe just because it's breast cancer awareness month or um, whatever. But when I was in medical school, trying to decide to do OBGYN, to do something that, you know, society says is easier. Uh, Turns out nothing in medicine is easy. (laughs) I was in this family med clinic and seeing um, this older lady and just asking her all the annual questions, whatever. 
And all of a sudden she turns to me and she's like, um, I just got a tattoo. <laughs> and I was like, Oh really? That's, that's so cool. She was like in her late seventies. I was like, that's awesome. You know, one of the things like as a medical student, you're not really essential anywhere. You're always encouraged to be there, but like no one's going to miss if you're not there. So I would spend a lot of time just like talking to people. So I was talking with her and she's like, do you want to see it? Do you want to see my tattoo? And I was like, sure, I would love to. All of a sudden she just lifts up her shirt and shows me both of her breasts. It turns out she had had breast cancer. And so she just got her nipples tattooed back on. And it was just one of like the most moving experiences ever. She was so open with me. She had been through this terrible thing of breast cancer and was just so excited that at like whatever age in her 70s, she had just gotten a tattoo. And that was like the takeaway from that. Amazing. I, yeah. I love that for her. And that she was so proud that she was like, here, I'm gonna lift up my shirt and you can right. And she felt that empowered after her diagnosis and what she'd been through. That's, that's awesome. That's also pretty badass for like a 70 some year old. Right? Look at that. Like, Good for her for feeling that good about herself and being so positive after a diagnosis like that. It was. And like her positivity surrounding it made me feel so much more at ease to talk to her about it and actually be able to like ask questions and learn. And I feel like we really feed off of each other in that patient provider relationship. So she gave me something that day. I think somebody did a surgery the other day or saw a patient the other day who reminds me of this patient. I think you probably know she's like in her eighties. The one who wanted the orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> so 82 years old and she came to me for sexual dysfunction and she's married and she was like, I need you to help me with my orgasms. And I was like, you go girl. And so I gave her something that I felt was safe for her. And she was like telling me that she was going to give me a giant shout out if, uh, it worked. And I'm just, I was so humored by that. And I love that. And I told her, I'm like, I love that. You're my hero. I hope that's my biggest issue at 82. Right. Um, but my mantra is I always tell Kamel and I always tell other people that I learn just as much from patients as I teach. Like when you and I know the facts about a disease condition, but you know what it really means to go through it. Like the other yeah. day, Kamel and I were talking to someone and she talked to, you know, she had a myomectomy and she was talking about how the body pillow changed her whole post-operative course. And I always recommended those in obstetrics. I never right. recommended that to a uh, myomectomy patient, but you know, they have a lot of pain and they have fevers. And she said that that was like the best thing she did. And it was like, it was such a teaching, you know, a learning moment for me. It was like, oh yeah, you know, that's something I never thought about. They can't get comfortable, especially with the open incisions that that would make sense. And right. so I always say I learn um, every day as much as I teach because patients always come in with a story or some, you know, little teaching mantra. And they taught me a lot about motherhood and just being a woman. And, you know, cause they would always ask me about my family or my kids or what was going on in my life. Right. Cause they see you year after year and you'll see this, you'll like grow with your patients. And it's funny. Cause they're like, well, don't forget to do this or, you know, remember <laughs> to do this. And they were all so excited for me. Like when, you know, my son was leaving for college and, and they came in like, how'd it go? And I'm like, this is <laughs> awesome. Right. Having these patients for so long and they know about your life. And, and I think it's really cool, but that's, you know, the favorite parts of my job is just that, like you said, that interaction with patients that we have. So what are some exciting things that you have coming up that our listeners should know about or would want to hear about? I'm actually really excited. I'm doing a podcast with Pop Sugar called Full Disclosure. 
fun. Right. Yeah. Where we're talking about just, you know, same stuff as here, but everything from like vaginal discharge to embracing our bodies and fertility issues, basically nothing's not kosher. So right. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Yeah. And then I'm uh, also toying with starting a YouTube channel. We'll see. We'll see. Technology is not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you two were like meant to meet or something. No, I'm just <laughs> Definitely. But he says the same thing like, yeah, need someone to edit all the things, but right. you know, it's, it's good to push yourself outside your comfort zone, right? <laughs> yeah. So what would your YouTube channel be about? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out now. It's tough, right? Like there's so many good ones out there and you, if you're going to do it, you want to be able to stand out a little bit. So we, we'll see. I, I really don't know yet. That's really cool though. And I like the pop sugar podcast about like nothing off limits. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, we would also want to hear what is the best way to stay up to date with you and everything that you're doing? Definitely my Instagram. It's, it's my kind of like my baby. (laughs) It's turned into this kind of just creative outlet for me, Mm -hmm. especially when I was in like the, the trenches of residency, just so ingrained in the medicine and the work hours and everything, it became this very nice little creative outlet. And it's continued to be that and kind of pushes me to stay up to date on social climate and events and everything. So definitely my Instagram, that'll be the first place I ever announce anything. (laughs) I love your Instagram because you're very honest. And I think that's why people can relate to you. And I see the educational pieces behind it too. So I think it's a great page to follow. I am so glad that we met and that um, you were able to catch our summit. It's funny how all these connections are being made in this time, right? And especially during COVID now, when we're not all meeting in person at conferences and things like that. I'm excited. I'm going to bookmark that we're doing it, that you guys are doing it again in February. <laughs> it's actually going to be focused towards patients, which oh, cool. we're excited about because simple things like biology and anatomy. Like I didn't know what a Volvo was. And like, that's, I mean, I laugh about it now, but like, I mean, everything was just the vagina. Which is so, <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Like I close with this remark. I, I didn't know until I was in college that you didn't have to change your tampon every time you peed. Like that's how little an anatomical education I received. And I, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but we should know that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so we, we thought given we did one for physicians and it was great. And I think we're going to do an annual physician one. We also want to do an annual patient focused one just yeah. to talk about all things like sexual health. Oh, a hundred percent. That's going to be so cool. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you guys both too. It's been, it's been a pleasure. This episode of Her Voice has been a production of HerMD, a female forward wellness center in Cincinnati, Ohio. You can follow HerMD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerMD Health and sign up for a newsletter at HerMDHealth.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we hope you'll share it with your friends. They can listen to us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you're a healthcare provider who is interested in opening a HerMD location, or if you already have your own practice and you'd like to be powered by HerMD, reach out to us at info at HerMDHealth.com. Thank you.